Jeremy, thank you, brother. Such a, just such a blessing to have Crosspoint and Sumter here this morning to have you come and, and pray for us. Uh, just grateful for the longevity of our relationship and look forward to the future of what our churches are going to do together. I have been blown away by the past 48 hours. God has been so gracious to King's Church for bringing Crosspoint, and then as I, I get to get to meet y'all over the next few days, but so grateful for First Baptist Sumter. Uh, Kevin, thank you, brother, man, so, so grateful for you, just that friendship that we've had since high school. It's grateful for you, grateful for what you're doing in Sumter. Uh, I look forward to seeing how the Lord blesses over the next few days. We, we are grateful for this morning, being able to gather, right? This is Newell, right? Newell, this is what we want to see, right? This is, this is why we decided that it would be better for us to be together than for us to have two separate churches, because we want to see this happen so that we can see a multiplication of disciples, leaders, and churches for King Jesus, that is our longing. As I look out over this crowd, I know, I can just see, I know many of you, I know God is raising up new leaders, new church planners, new missionaries to go. We're, we're going we're gonna to impact the United States and we're going to impact the world for the sake of the gospel. And many of you are going to be the ones going forth. The, the ones that we hear, you know, maybe making a little noise because they're young, we're grateful that they're in this service, right? We, we hear that and we're going, man, God, that's 20 years from now. They're going to be making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's our hope. That's our longing. So as you hear, you hear like one of my kids or another kid make some noise this morning, be like, God, yes, raise up a new generation to see the gospel go forth, right? That's our hope. That's our longing. God has been so gracious in his daily provision for us. He's been so gracious in his partnerships that he's provided for King's Church. And again, tremendously overwhelmed, but also just my heart's overflowing in thanksgiving to God for what's happened over the last couple of days and also what's going to happen over the next few days as we get to go forth in this community, taking the gospel to people who maybe have never heard, people who are broken, people that are hurting, the gospel is that which mends those people's lives and our lives. So today, as we step away from a series in the, in the Psalms, we've been working through the kingly Psalms, showing how Jesus is the promised one to David, the one who is the eternal king on the eternal throne. But today we're going to step away and we're going to go into the gospel of Mark. We're going to look at Mark chapter 4. And this is my prayer for us. My prayer for all of us in here is that this passage would encourage us, but it would also challenge us to be faithful to the mission God has called us to. The big idea of this, of this passage that I want you to take away 
is that disciples of Christ proclaim the word abundantly independence upon God so all may hear. Disciples proclaim the word abundantly independence upon God so all may hear. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read it for us. And then I'm going to pray. Mark 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and set in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you praise for your word. Your kindness is on display every time we take the Bible and read it. For you have revealed yourself to humanity through your word. And in it we see this good news about Jesus. In it we see that we can have life. That, that sin and death can be done away with in Christ Jesus. Father, we want to be faithful to proclaiming this word. We want to be faithful farmers who sow the seed where we live and all over the world. God, as we, as we approach your word now, we pray for your spirit to give us understanding. We pray that our hearts would be pierced by your word. Father, we want to have more joy in Christ Jesus, and we want to be obedient to this word. 
Guide us now, we pray. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Gospel of Mark is one of four Gospels that we have, and it is rapid. One of the key words in the Gospel of Mark is immediately. Immediately, 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 immediately. He, he, is, he is proving that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he wants. Jesus is the Son of God. So he is moving through teaching, stories, everything to prove to his readers that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? So now, as we enter into chapter 4, <clears throat> some, of the, some of the teachings of Jesus are on display. Really, from, from Mark 1 to the end of 3, there's just been all of these miracles being done, all these works being done. And now, as we enter into Mark chapter 4, we, we get some teaching. And it says here that Jesus is in a boat beside the shore, and the crowd is gathered. It's his, it's his pulpit, right? He is preaching from the boat so that he's not crowded and the, and the crowd can hear. He's projecting out so that they can hear this. So he begins teaching, but he uses parables. So you may be sitting there going, what's a parable? Well, a very simple way of understanding a parable is it's a, it's a practical story, right? Something that we can relate to. This one's easy to relate to, right? Like, it's just farming. Go, go plant a seed and see what happens. So he's, he uses these practical stories that illustrates a spiritual truth. That's, that's just a simple way to define a parable. Well, the, another question about parables is how do they work? How, how do parables work? Well, you see, Jesus, he tells us they actually reveal belief and unbelief. The meaning is hidden from some and revealed to others. You probably heard that and you, your mind may have even started, started turning going, why would you do that? Why not just speak plainly? Right? But, but what Jesus tells his disciples is that to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. You see, Christianity is a very exclusive religion. There are insiders and outsiders. I know we don't like that. That's not politically correct. But that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it, it differentiates. The other, the other morning we were reading in the gospels as a family. And Jesus talks about sheep and goats. It, it divides. So Jesus here, he continues... So that, and he quotes from Isaiah, Isaiah uh, 9, they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? A parable, it reveals belief in some and unbelief in others. Those who desire to understand, they go and approach Jesus and say, explain it to us. We want to know. We hear what you're saying. We're accepting what you're saying, and we need to understand. So they're coming to Jesus, and they're saying, teach us, Lord. Teach us. That's a, that's a huge difference between those that God is drawing to himself and those who hear the word, and it, it easily slips out of their minds. Right? Huge difference there. Jesus also mentions here that the secret of the kingdom has been revealed to some 
Only by the power of the Spirit are we able to understand. I was, I was reading through a, a few books in preparation for this, and, and one guy defines this secret. I think it's up there, this secret. It is the secret that the kingdom of God has come in the person and words and works of Jesus. That is a secret because God has chosen to reveal himself indirectly and in a veiled way. The incarnate word is not obvious. Only faith could recognize the Son of God in the lowly figure of Jesus of Nazareth. The secret of the kingdom of God is the secret of the person of Jesus. Everything we do, our lives revolve around Jesus as followers of Christ. As Christians, as disciples, our lives revolve around who this man is that lived 2,000 years ago. And once we've settled that, man, we, we go and we tell. We go and we tell. As followers of Jesus who have been given understanding of this secret, how do we now respond? And this is where, as Jesus is telling this parable, and then he actually explains this parable, we are going to see just several characteristics of disciples, right? This is how we respond to this message as followers of Christ. First of all, we proclaim the word. As you saw and as you heard as I was reading, there is a farmer who is going and sowing seed. He is, he is proclaiming the word, is what we see in verse, four, in, in verse 15. He as Jesus begins this parable, he calls out to this crowd, listen, behold, listen, behold. That's my call to you this morning. Listen, behold. Let's see if we can have some understanding. First of all, we proclaim the word. The farmer sows the seed. He's sowing the word of God. Jesus' message in Mark 1.14 was this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is our message that we proclaim. It has not changed. Repent and believe in the gospel. You may be sitting here going, I don't know what that means. What's the gospel? What is repentance? The gospel is very simple. Jesus saves sinners. It's very simple. Right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. As you look at your life, you are separated from God because of your sin. And yes, it may just be a little sin that you're looking at and going, I'm good, I'm a good person. Yet maybe you lied to your kid this week. Or maybe you cheated on some taxes, right? Like, sin, if you have, if you committed one sin, you've broken all of them. The standard is high, and we do not meet that standard. We fall short, and the wages of sin is death. Yet, in God's great love, he sent his son. This is the gospel. Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life, one that we could not live. And he took our sin, and he took our death. The death we deserved, he died on the cross for the sins of the world. Yet, as we know, as followers of Christ, Jesus did not stay in the grave. Amen. Hallelujah. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. Victorious over death, victorious over sin, 
proving to the world that he is who he said he was. It's Jesus. That is the gospel, and repentance plays into that. You have to realize your sin. And in realizing your sin, you see your great need for a Savior. And repentance means turning from your sin and going towards Jesus, being more like him. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the message. This is the secret. It's simple. A little child can understand. And it's for all people. It's for all people. This is what we proclaim. And as we see in the parable, the farmer sows it abundantly and without partiality. He just lets it fly. I can, I can just imagine, man. He's just, you know, at that point, they did, have y'all seen those, uh, those grass, the, seed, the grass seed, cedars, right? You, you, just, you just walk it, and it's just like, just throwing out, right? That's what I see it as. He didn't have that machine, so he's probably got his little pouch right here. And he's just like this, you know, just, just throwing it out. You know, that's what he's doing. He's sowing the seed, and he's sowing it abundantly. The farmer sows, and he sows it everywhere. It falls on poor soil, soil and in good soil. We proclaim the gospel abundantly. This is what our team did yesterday. This is what Sumter and Citadel Square from Charleston is going to do this week. This is what disciples do. We go with an incredible message, and we tell everybody, everybody, and then we also see this farmer, and we know in our lives, we also sow without partiality, right? We don't, we don't look at someone and go, nah, God, you can't save him, right? That's not what we do. We pray, and then we sow. We share the gospel. The farmer doesn't show partiality in his sowing. He's desiring a harvest, so he sows all over without discrimination. He sows in rocks. He sows in thorns. He sows on the path, and he finally... Finally, he sows on good soil. I want you to think about conversations that you've had maybe yesterday, this past week, this past month. Who'd you talk with? Were they fruitful? Did they immediately, right, did they immediately produce fruit in that person's life? Or did they make you mad? We, we, had, we had some righteous anger a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, we had some righteous anger a couple weeks ago. Had some good conversations out on campus, and, and it just leaves you frustrated. Oh, God, would you save this person? Would you open their eyes? Would you allow the scales to fall off the eyes so that they may see and be saved? Did you or do you feel like your sharing is in vain? You see, this message that we take is truly a matter of life and death. There. The people who never hear the message or the people that reject the message, they will spend eternity separated from God in hell. That is, that is what the Bible teaches. Yes, we want to reject that because, man, how could you do that, God? We want to. But that's what the Bible teaches, and we truly believe that apart from Christ, people will spend eternity in hell. So we want to share abundantly and without partiality. We trust that as we sow the seed that God's word will not return void because it is living and active. We don't know. We have no idea when the, when the seed will take root. Right? 
We had a, we had a conversation from last summer, right? Last summer, there was a conversation had, and, and the gospel went forth. The guy did not receive Christ at that point, but then in February, right? February, he gets a call. Matt gets a call. It says, I want to share something with you. What you shared with me, he didn't use this terminology, has taken root, and it has produced fruit, right? This person repented and believed. It took a few months, and that's okay. We believe that God's word will do its work, and it will, it will take root in God's timing. So do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed, right? We just stay faithful to proclaiming the word, to sowing the seed. And as we go and proclaim, we do this in complete dependence upon God. We do not know the heart of those we're sharing with. Some may hear and immediately reject. Some may hear and immediately follow. God is the one who says we simply proclaim the word in full dependence upon him. You know, a farmer is, is completely dependent on the, the, the ground, the sun, the rain, that which comes, right? We see later in Mark 4, if you, if you want to read later in, in 26 to 29, there's this farmer. He goes, and, he goes and sows the seed, and then what does he do? He goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. He can't do anything about it. And he depends on God. That's what we do. We walk in full dependence upon God. And, and as we depend upon God, what, what Jesus is telling us here about these soils, there are four types of soils we see, and there's four outcomes. The soils that we see, there's a path that it falls on. There's some rocky ground that it falls on. There's some thorn-ridden ground that it falls on. And then there are some good soil that it falls on. Listen to this real quick. There, there has thus been a progression in the three failed seeds, the path, the rocky, and the thorns, which is probably intended to be noticed in drawing out the symbolism. The first never started. The second started but died. The third survived but could not produce grain. They failed, right? That, that, that seed did not take root in those three. But then we see the, the, the seed hitting this good soil. And in this good soil, as we'll see, it produces so much fruit. Produces so much fruit. So you see the four types of soil. And then we also have the four different outcomes. This first one, on the path. Jesus in his parable, he says the, the birds came and devoured it. But later on in verse 15, he tells us that when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes, a wor takes away the word that was sown. We have an enemy. Do y'all believe that? We have an enemy that is, that is, I mean, he is, he is roaming around like a roaring lion. He is seeking those to devour. That's his job. He wants to destroy us. We see this from the very beginning in Genesis 3. Satan goes and, and tempts Adam and Eve, and they fall away from God, and they're banished from the garden. Right? There is an enemy that we are at war with. Spiritual warfare is real. Sumter, as y'all go out over the next few days, you're going to encounter the enemy. He does not want you to succeed. He does not want people to hear the gospel because he knows he's, he's in a losing battle. He doesn't want to lose anymore. Right? Like, this is what we do. We go forth, and we're going to be attacked by the enemy. Cross point. As you go back to Clemson and the upstate, 
There's an enemy at war with you. Let us stay diligent in proclaiming the word so that darkness will continue to be pushed back. King's Church, same, same. There's an enemy that does not want us to take any ground here in Charlotte. The million people here, many who have never heard the gospel, many from countries that we have no access to. The enemy does not want them to hear this gospel. So he will fill you with fear. He will fill you with thoughts that you're not worthy to share this gospel. We are farmers. We're sowers of the seed. We have the authority of Jesus as we go forth. And we have the power of the Spirit. So this first soil, Satan snatches. This second soil is called rocky soil. Listen to what Jesus says here. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. There's pressure, there's challenge, there's persecution to their faith, and they fall away. I'm sure you know people like this. You may know people like this that actually seem to be followers of Christ for several years. But when persecution came, they quickly retreated. They quickly went away. Yes, they responded in joy, and then they rejected it. When... In 2011, Christy and I had the, had the privilege of, of leading a group of 10 college students from Clemson to India. And one of our first conversations in the mall there, we went up and we prayed for this, this guy, this Hindu guy. And we got to share the gospel with him. And it, it seemed as if a light bulb had gone off and there was great joy in this guy's life. Great joy. He was like, yes, I want to study the Bible. Over the next two weeks, three weeks, we actually studied the Bible with him. We, we got to share with him who this Jesus is, even fuller. And, and he, he said, yes, I want to repent and I want to believe. And he started coming and hanging out and, and, and joining our gatherings over that summer. Yet as time went on, his family and his village started bringing persecution and pressure and challenge to his faith. And this, this guy quickly retreated, quickly retreated, and actually even used his new friendships with some brothers and sisters that, are, that were nationals there and in our, his friendship with us to actually bring more persecution on the Christians there. You see, he heard the gospel, he responded in joy, yet when pressure came, when persecution came, he retreated back. And it showed that that root was not deep. And that his, his joy was not truly found in Christ Jesus. This third soil, as we continue moving on, is the thorny soil. This thorn-ridden soil. And what Jesus says here. In verse 18, he says, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, 
and it proves unfruitful. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Unfortunately, as we look around our churches today, this is the story of most of our people. This is an unfortunate thing. You see, they've heard the word, yet their hearts and their affections are set on things of this world, on the riches that only bring deceit. They're deceitful. See, the call to follow Jesus is much, much more than just a simple prayer and I'm saved. There is a call where Jesus, in, in Luke 9, Jesus calls his disciples and he, he tells them, you know, there's, there's guys that are coming up and they're like, man, I want to I do this. I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's not the only place that Jesus calls for radical discipleship and radical following after him. It is a call to forsake all and follow Christ Jesus. And so many times, so many times, we are like the rich young ruler. We hear this word, and we're like, yes, Lord. And as y'all know, in, in Matthew 19, Jesus says, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And he goes, he goes away sad. You know, he, he saw Jesus, he heard Jesus, and he goes away sad because his, his love was after the riches of the world instead of after Christ Jesus. It's like Demas. Demas started strong. Man, a worker, co-worker with Paul. Second Timothy says, his love for the world, he's gone. He's gone. You see, this, this is a radical call. So a question I have, do you fall into this category? Do you care about the world more than Jesus? Do you love money and riches and stuff more than Jesus? And my plead with you is that you're being deceived. Riches, oh yes, they will give momentary pleasure. Things of this world will, will give momentary pleasure, but they do not satisfy eternally. Riches will cause you to lose your soul. Do you desire other things? What do you talk about? What do you truly love? Oh, that we would earnestly seek and desire God above all other things. He is. Christ Jesus is better than your job, better than your family, your house, your car, the new tech that just came out. He's better than all the riches of the world, and those things are deceitful. Jesus alone satisfies you see, as, as we progress through these first three soils, these are people who hear the word. The word hear, right? You, you picked up on that in 15, 16, and 18. This word hear, they're all the same in this original language. It implies a quick, 
superficial hearing in one ear and out the other. It doesn't take root. It doesn't bring about change. So yes, we're going to encounter people as we go out and share the gospel. We understand that. Yet, the good news of this passage and the good news of your testimony, listen real quick. Listen, behold. If you have ears to hear, please hear right now. The goodness of your testimony is that you fall into this fourth category. <laughs> You're good soil. You're good soil. Someone shared the gospel with you and you believed and now we're producing, right? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. This final soil, this good soil, if you grow tomatoes, if you grow any veggies, if you grow flowers, you know what good soil is. Because when you put that seed in, man, that thing, it, it, just, it just blooms and blooms and, and produces fruit. And you get to have joy and satisfaction in that. You see this, this four soil, one pastor says, it welcomes it immediately, deeply, and exclusively. That's the message, right? That is the message. We welcome it immediately, deeply, and exclusively. We hear, we accept, and we bear fruit. That's what happens in this good soil. You see this, this word here, it's a different word. It's a different, it's actually the same word, but it's a different tense of the verb. And it signifies continual, ongoing hearing. This is the hearing that defines a disciple. We hear and we keep on hearing. The way we know we hear is because we do, right? Don't be hearers. Don't, don't just be hearers, but be doers. We hear and we do. This is why we rehearse and remind one another of the gospel. Our summer link team, this summer, this is what they talk about. Every time I've been around them, they talk about this. We're reminding one another of the gospel. We're preaching the gospel to one another. We rehearse this. This is what's on our lips. This is how we're spurred on. As believers, so as we, as we think about this, as we think about going out, yes, we long to see the seed implanted in good soil. This farmer remained faithful. <laughs> he kept sowing. And when he found the good soil, it was an abundant harvest. May we continue, may we persevere, may we depend on God, and then, in God's timing, to God's glory, let us reap the fruit. It's okay, right? Let's reap the fruit of sowing seed. Maybe it'll be 20, 30, 40 years of sowing with the same person, but then God, in his kindness, he grants repentance and faith. We pray that they would hear, accept, bear fruit. This is, this is what we want. We want to see people produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. This is a lifetime of fruit-bearing. This is a continual thing that's going on in our lives. So how do we do this? How do we continue to cultivate the soil even in our own churches? right? How do we continue to, to produce fruit in this way? I, I mean, just think about those, those simple means of grace that God's given us. Like this morning, the gathering of the church. We have been able to sing the gospel. We've been able to pray the gospel. We've been able to preach the gospel. Right? That's what we want. We want to be reminded through this so that then we're ready to go back out. 
and sow more seed. We do this through small groups, through discipleship groups. This is what we do. This is who we are when we gather together. Yes, we catch up on the NBA finals. Yes, we, we, we do that. We talk about food, right? The best ramen we've ever had, right? Like, we talk about that stuff. But we also, we open up the word and we say, hey, this is how the Lord is, has, has taught me this week. This is how the Lord has challenged me this week. How, how's your soul? Right? That's what we do. That's what Christians do. We gather together to do this. This is how we will continue to produce fruit for the rest of our lives. This is how, as we sow the seed and, and people repent and believe, this is what we want to, to take them through, right? We want them to gather in local churches so that they can be equipped for the work of ministry to make more disciples who make more disciples who make more disciples. We have sown a lot of seed this summer. Even yesterday, we got to, we got to sow a ton of seed. And the seed has landed on soil, right? All of us would agree it's landed on soil. And in God's timing, some of that seed will produce fruit because it has landed on good soil. Good soil. We do not determine the type of soil it lands on. We just remain faithful to sow abundantly and without partiality. Listen to this last, this last uh, quote from one, one scholar, he says, The parable of the sower informs and warns disciples that although the ministry of Jesus is beset by obstacles, it will produce a harvest beyond compare. Disciples, too, will be sent to sow the word, and they, too, will know the tremendous frustration of sowing where chances of a harvest seem next to impossible. But as they have experienced in their own lives, the seed will unexpectedly find good soil in the lives of others. Those who hear will understand the mystery of the kingdom of God and will, by the grace of its generative power, produce a harvest beyond belief. This is the good news that we go with. This is the promise that we go with. You see, the gospel has not failed in 2,000 years, and it will not fail. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We go in that authority. We go believing that Jesus is better than anything else in the world, and because of that, we want to make him known. Among people in Charlotte, in Clemson, in Sumter, in the Carolinas, throughout the U.S. and to the ends of the earth. I call you today, if the, if, if the seed has taken root, I call you to repentance and belief. Believe that Jesus satisfies, that Jesus is better than anything else. And then for the disciple, for those in here who are believers, be faithful in sowing the seed and calling people to hear. As we go our separate ways this week, we're going to be all scattered all over the Carolinas. Let us be faithful farmers who proclaim the word, depend on God, and in his timing, we will reap an abundant harvest. Let's pray. Our Father, you are faithful. We see that from Genesis to Revelation. We see that you are keeping your promises to bring about a people from every tribe, tongue, nation, 
to worship you. God, we get to be a part of it. You have saved us, and now we get to go and proclaim this beautiful message to those who maybe have never heard, and we trust that you will grant repentance and faith. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.